Really epic stuff there, folks. Really epic stuff. So there is new footage to the uh, worst attack on democracy in U.S. history. Also, after not talking about it last week, we are going to talk about a new report by the 1792 Exchange that identifies businesses that are seemingly aligning themselves against conservatives. And lastly, there are a few very interesting things you should know about the incoming World Bank president nominated by the Biden administration that relates to ESG and a terrifying prediction by the World Economic Forum. We're going to be talking about this and more on episode 388 of the In the Tank podcast. this that's the wrong song Use to use that other song. Welcome, everybody, to the In the Tank podcast. As always, I am your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, we've got a full crew. I got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing great. Uh, our main topic today, that 1792 exchange and you know dis- uh, discrimination against conservatives and all of that. Uh, we were supposed to talk about it last week and we didn't because it was mostly my fault because I started arguing about COVID a little too long. So I promise not to talk about our opening chit chat topic for too long and I won't say anything to get us in trouble, but that does not mean the people in the chat can't chat whatever they like. <laughs> oh, that's right. Also joining us, we've got Justin Haskins. Coming in under the wire, just as we were doing the intro. How are you, good sir? I'm uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, uh, for the first time ever, agree with everything that Jim just said. Uh, <laughs> everything that went wrong last week is his fault, and um, this week will be better. So good. I'm 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 glad, Jim. You know, the first step to recovery is you have mm-hmm. to admit that you got a problem, right? So we're we're going in the right direction. Let, let's not get carried away, all right? Uh, also joining us, Chris Talgo, <laughs> editorial director at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? Doing good. I uh, like the new uh, graphic there at the beginning, Donnie. It kind of really like got me uh, you know, in suspense for the start of this. So I hope, know. hope, hope the, uh, the viewers enjoyed it as much as I we, did. We need the proper level of gravitas when us fools start talking about whatever we want to talk about so we really got that spirit captured in that intro there um before we talk about anything though audio only listeners that are catching this show on a friday or later you can join us a day earlier on thursdays at noon central time where we are live streaming this on youtube and facebook and twitter and rumble and you can join the conversation throw your comments and questions in the chat maybe we'll uh show your comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly also you can really help us out by doing just a couple of things won't cost you a penny only it'll cost you a couple of seconds and that is writing a review for us on itunes that would be greatly appreciated or if you're watching us on youtube hitting that subscribe button hitting that like button sharing this content or just leaving a comment under the video all help break through that big tech algorithm that prevents content like this from being shown to more people uh, so, gentlemen, we had uh, I've had a couple of conversations about 
whether or not we should even talk about this first story, how we should handle this first story, how much hot water are we going to get if we talk about this first story. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we decided that it would be goofy if we just completely ignored it. So we're going to talk about it right up front here. So, you know, if YouTube shuts us down, at least we didn't have to do it full episode. So we'll see what happens. So it's been more than two years since the greatest attack on democracy in modern history. Actually, you know what? In history period. Mm -hmm. And now, in an effort to downplay this historical event, Tucker Carlson released previously unseen footage of that fateful day for people to watch. And not just, you know, people that are capable of comprehending the you know, the the impact of that event or just the footage that they're seeing. But to people like you and me who can't comprehend what we're watching and might stupidly take away conclusions that might suggest that this event wasn't the biggest attack on democracy than, than 9-11 or Pearl Harbor or the discontinuation of the McRib all combined. <laughs> so, you know, how recklessly, uh, why would he do something like this? This is obviously trying to jeopardize all freedom uh, from top to bottom, all of it. So, Justin, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, you were the one that brought this to my attention. Um, and you're probably the only one on this podcast that can describe the new footage in a way that is accurate and won't get us kicked off YouTube. So, oh, wow. can, you, can you describe what this new footage shows and how it impacts the official narrative of January 6th? Oh, wait, sorry, January 6th. 2021 just in case everyone's yeah not just any random january so yeah, exactly. in case people were wondering if it was a different one exactly um yeah essentially what the video shows is that although there were many bad things that happened on january 6 involving a fair number of uh people who went to the capitol and did terrible things like break windows and chant really horrible things and and, uh, you know, cause chaos and problems and whatever, make threatening statements um, and vandalize them. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, do stuff like that. What the video footage shows very plainly, video footage that had been withheld from the public uh, deliberately uh, by people who had access to it in our government, public servants who are supposed to be accountable to the people, uh, both on the right and the left, or I should say, Republicans and Democrats alike did this. Um, what the video footage clearly shows is that there were certain people, th there were a great number of people who went through the Capitol building during this January 6th uh, riot that really didn't do much other than just walk through the building and uh, take selfies and look at things. Um, in many cases, they did it in a very organized fashion. There was one video clip, one of my favorite uh, video clips uh, was of a, of a gentleman in a, I think he had a MAGA hat on, who saw a pile of papers, like uh, handouts and stuff on a, on a table, and he went over and neatened them up, made them nice and pretty before he walked <laughs> past them. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and uh, a great number of people, the vast majority of people uh, did this. The, the other thing that it shows, so, so I say that to contrast it with the narrative that the vast majority of people who were there were, rot, were destroying property and threatening to kill people, etc. The other thing that it shows that's really striking is that um, some of the more prominent figures of this whole thing, 
Um, in particular, the so-called QAnon shaman, um, who everyone has seen pictures of. It's the crazy guy without a shirt on. And he's got like a Viking hat on or something like that. He's that in our guy. intro video for this podcast. Yeah, yeah he's, he's exactly. He, he, he's my spirit animal. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that, uh, that animal, that guy, he was, um, what the video clips very clearly show is that he was essentially, he and others were essentially escorted um, through the Capitol building by police um, who had many, many opportunities to arrest him because he was a, a uh, insurrectionist who was trying to destroy the United States of America, supposedly. And yet, instead of arresting him, chose to walk him politely throughout the building, helped tried to open doors to the Senate chambers to get him in. When that didn't work, they tried other doors to get him in. They they escorted him around. They were so kind to him that at one point, video footage shows, when the QAnon shaman got into, I believe, the Senate chambers, he actually made a special prayer thanking the Capitol Police for allowing them into the building and helping them walk around, etc. All this caught on uh, videotape. Now that that QAnon shaman, by the way, went to prison for four years. Uh, he's still in prison, obviously. Four years is a sentence. So, what I think the biggest takeaway, and of course, you know, Jim and Chris might disagree with me, but I think the the, the two biggest takeaways for me is number one, something we already kind of knew, uh, we already knew, has been very clearly confirmed, and that is that it was not. Although lots of people were in the Capitol who shouldn't have been in the Capitol, a lot of bad things happened in the Capitol that shouldn't have happened, although I would argue the whole uh, event should never have occurred, it was clearly not an insurrection. Click, clearly. And this, and this shows that at least the vast majority of people were not involved in an insurrection. There's just no way you could make that argument based on what we're seeing. The other thing that I think it really plainly shows is that both, not only the media deliberately did not tell us the truth about what happened, much of the media. That actually we expect. But both Republicans and Democrats alike uh, deliberately withheld this information from the public for, I mean, this happened years ago now at this point. And they, they, for two years, they withheld this from the public uh, and did not still, give us a chance. Like yesterday to me. I know it does, well, but they didn't, they did not give us a chance to draw our own conclusions. They didn't just say, here's the evidence, draw your conclusions. They said, here's the evidence. It was an insurrection. And then they only gave us select clips. And then they played them over and over and over and over and over again to give people the impression that something was happening when part of, and, and I'm not saying none of that happened. It, a lot of bad stuff happened. No one should have been in the Capitol. I fully get that. But was it the worst uh, insurrectionist moment in American history since the Civil War, as, as we've been told over and over and over again? Clearly not. The head of this was literally being, had his, walked through the cap, taking a tour from Capitol Police throughout the Capitol building. They were trying to get him into Senate chambers and other places for reasons that I think we really should find out. Why were they doing that exactly? All of that very important, but I think those were the two biggest takeaways for me. So um, really, uh, I would love for us to be able to have a wider discussion about everything surrounding the motivations for why this happened and everything. <laughs> but unfortunately, 
this platform does not allow for that kind of discussion. (laughs) We're trying very hard to avoid the rest of those parts of the story. I agree with with Justin's take, but I'm going to take this one step further. I've actually watched Tucker Carlson the past couple of nights in which he has, you know, laid out all this evidence and I've, you know, watched the interviews and everything. And what stood out to me the most in which I think is the most frightening is the fact that the government refused to provide uh, this video evidence to the lawyers who were defending these people. And a lot of this evidence was exculpatory. So they had uh, the QAnon Shaman's uh, lawyer on Tucker last night, and he he was never given any of this video evidence. And this would have presumably changed the uh, the course of the trial. And, you know, let's not forget that there are still hundreds of people who are languishing in the D.C. gulag who have not even gone to trial yet. And once again, the, uh, you know, the powers that be we're, t- we're holding this back. And the January 6th committee in particular refused to give this to the uh, lawyers and to the other agents of the court who had every right in the world under our constitution, under due process and everything. This is discovery. This is, this is like, I think this is so much greater than the media covering the sub. This is about our United States government, um, you know, attacking people who went into the, uh, the, House of Representatives. And yes, they did some bad things. And yes, some of them broke some windows. I'm not condoning that whatsoever. But the vast majority, including many of those who have already been uh, uh, sentenced to years in prison, they didn't do anything. And the video evidence was right there all along. And for whatever reason, the FBI and you know the, the uh, Capitol Hill police and the January 6th committee refused, even though it was, you know, even though it is uh, against the law to not provide that discovery. So not only did the lawyer for this gentleman say that this is going to lead to obviously an appeal, and he thinks that this will overturn uh, his sentence, but this calls into question the entire thing. Because what? Uh, never forget that the FBI went out on a massive manhunt, sans any evidence, and just you know did a huge dragnet and caught up all these people who even just stepped foot or even use cell phone data to to know that they were in the premises, you know, whatever. So I think this is far greater than a media cover up. This is our government, uh, you know, actually uh, defying the Constitution and locking people up without due process. I think so. That so just must be stated. So just one real, real quick thing. I think it's a fantastic point. Totally agree with it. However, one quick thing. They did do something. You said they did nothing. They did break the law. They shouldn't have been there. That was the, that was illegal what they did. So they did do something, but the punishment should fit that crime, not the crime of you know insurrection or some other kind of thing. That's something along those lines. Well, anyway, I, 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 I want to make agree, that clear. Totally agree with that. But I also you know in the context of twenty twenty riots, how come all the people who were you know fair point who who were you know blowing up you know federal courthouses, how come they never you know got uh, sentenced to four years in prison? How come those charges were just completely dropped? So you know I I know this is far broader and bigger than the conversation we're having today, but we have a two tier justice system, and that is that is terrible for the country, and that means that a lot of people are losing faith in the institutions. Yeah. So Jim, I, I, like I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, I, I had a few conversations with different people about like how, how we should talk about this, whether or not we should talk about this, whether or not Republicans should just move on. And I was, I was the one arguing that like this whole thing, you know, if, if both sides wanted to move on, like, oh yeah, this is terrible. Those people that did these things should be punished. All right, we're moving on. 
then fine. Yeah, why are we dragging all this up again? But like because this has been used for years now as being like proof that uh, MAGA Republicans and Republicans in general are just like a bunch of insurrectionists, yes. and you know they they they're not fit to to even have a say in the in the way our country goes or whatever. And this is absolute proof of it. I feel like the, this new footage should be shown and that we should talk about it. And I've seen a lot of the response in the media to this is being like, oh, this is Tucker Carlson selectively editing. And it's just like, even if that were the case, like we have been shown the selective editing, uh, uh, you know, uh, footage since day one, and we've been forced to watch it through all the mainstream media and all of this. So it's like now we're finally getting some other piece of the puzzle. It's like, it doesn't it just seem so... Uh, uh, contradictory, uh, you know, for these people to say, oh, no, it's all selected, selectively edited. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, the gaslighting on this has been instantaneous. I mean, uh, Chuck Schumer came out the day after on Tuesday morning on the floor of the Senate. Mm -hmm. By the way, you can say anything you want on the floor of the Senate and you will not be uh, you're immune from any libel or slander laws, um, which is why uh, Harry Reid famously got away with saying that Mitt Romney didn't pay any federal income taxes from the uh, from the Florida Senate. And uh, he knew he was lying. Uh, he did it on purpose. And when uh, uh, Mitt Romney lost the election, he says, well, he lost, didn't he? Uh, and so that, that's the kind of people that are, are, are senators. But Chuck Schumer, uh, again, with the gaslighting, he said that he said on the floor of the Senate, he said, Tucker said that it was not a violent insurrection. That's false. If you watch the if you watched any of these clips and I don't have Fox News, I watched clips of it on YouTube and, and Twitter and other places. Tucker said it was not a, quote, deadly insurrection. And he played clip after clip after clip of politicians, of, of Democrat politicians and our corrupt media calling it a deadly insurrection. Over and over and over again, there is a big difference between a uh, violent incident or a violent, even if you want to call it insurrection, and a deadly insurrection. And so Chuck Schumer knows that he's lying and is doing it on purpose, uh, and nobody uh, seems to care. We should also remember, um, this is from Daniel Flynn in The American Spectator. Uh, he, he noted, and I'd forgotten about this, that the articles of impeachment against the former president, uh, Donald Trump, claim that Trump supporters, quote, killed law enforcement personnel by their, quote, deadly and seditious Acts. The New York Times uh, reported, quote, pro-Trump uh, supporters attacked the citadel of the democracy, of democracy, overpowered Brian Sicknick, 42, and struck him in the head with a fire extinguisher, according to two law enforcement officials. With a bloody gash in his head, Mr. Sicknick was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. Obviously, that never happened. Never happened. And as Tucker Carlson pointed out in these reports, the New York Times is basically the assignment editor for the national, even international news, especially on a story as big as this. To this day, there is still that story up on the New York Times website with the headline, um, with the headline that says, um, gosh, where I just lost the headline. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, he dreamed of being a police officer, then was killed by a pro-Trump mob. <laughs> and the only difference in the original story, which was a lie, and the current story, which is on there and is also a lie, is there's a vague note at the top that says new information has emerged that, quote, questions the cause of sick Nick's death. No, it is not just some vague new information. <laughs> Brian Sicknick was not there was not a single officer killed at the Capitol. So, some were injured. A lot, a lot more actually were injured at a different riot across from the White House put on by the left that nobody ever talks about. And again, Trump pointed that out. But look, the reason this is the reason this matters, myself, the people on this podcast, the people listening to this podcast know that the January 6th quote committee was a joke, that the hearings, what came out of the hearings was a joke and were lies. And 
Tucker Carlson good and Kevin McCarthy, who gave Tucker Carlson access to these tapes, has done the nation a great service for anybody who wishes to pay attention to it. And that is that um, we are being propagandized by our media and by our government about what actually happened on January 6th. You can condemn, as we did, we, we actually did a podcast the day after, we, it was on January 7th, uh, 2021. And I remember you guys were sending me texts as, as I was doing something else the day before. Uh, you guys you guys see what's going on at the Capitol riot? Can you, you know, can you believe this stuff? And I was like, you know, uh, I have a hard time getting all worked up about that. I mean, it's terrible. Um, but I have a hard time getting worked up about it uh, after a summer of cities burning to the ground and and no accountability. And in fact, even the at the you know at the time the vice presidential uh, nominee for the Democratic Party offering to give bail to these people who are rioting and destroying our cities. So yeah, I had a hard time getting upset about that, and I still have a hard time getting upset about it now. But the reason it's important to push back on this is that because the left and the Democrats have created this narrative and they need this narrative that it wasn't just a, a mere riot. Um, that it was a deadly insurrection, that it was sedition, that it was an attempted coup, and that this was the greatest threat to the Republic since the Civil War. Karine Jean-Pierre said that yesterday. And is it absurd? But they need this. They need that, that they need the that the people that committed the, these acts on this, on this, um, you know, on that day at the Capitol are a quote threat to our democracy. Why do they need this? Because that allows them to do what they've done, frankly, since. The beginning of the Biden administration, which is to treat everybody who opposes this regime, whether strongly or even mildly, as somehow a threat to the country. Conservatives who show up at at uh, at school board meetings. This is how far this has gone. Conservatives who show up at school board meetings objecting to the uh, sexual sexualization of their third graders have FBI files put out on them because that is a threat to democracy. They're 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 trying to paint everybody who opposed. Uh, who opposes Joe Biden, everybody who supported the election of Donald Trump as a threat to democracy. That's why they are doing this. And that's why uh, Tucker Carlson showing these tapes that give real context to what happened that day is being pushed back on, being pushed back on so strongly by guys like Schumer and our media and all the rest. And, uh, you know, we're still divided down the middle in this country. There are people who actually understand what's going on, and there are people who are lied to and believe the crap that they get from our corrupt legacy media. Yeah, Unfor you know, Unfortunately, I, I, Donnie, just, just real quick, unfortunately, it's not even just Chuck Schumer. It's Mitch McConnell, too. Mitch McConnell came out, and a bunch of Republicans, too. So this is not just Democrats. This is the uniparty. This is the deep state. This is permanent Washington uh, you know, pushing back uh, and, and, and pushing this uh, propaganda and these lies. Yeah, so two things. Uh, one is... You know, the, the again, the the media response to Tucker Carlson is is uniform and that he's trying to downplay what happened on January 6th by showing this footage. And I was just like the opposite side of that coin. If by not showing this footage, you're up playing it. So you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you, know, you could be you could be in, in favor of showing all of it to show the whole picture. But if you're only showing one side, you're downplaying it. That means by definition, by only showing the other side, you're up playing it. Like, yeah, that's but, the but, point that I that I think is like most important. Another another thing that Tucker uh, showed, and uh, I think this is really important, is uh, there have been a lot of questions about a possible FBI informants and Ray Apps, and you know he's gotten a lot of press here. Uh, Tucker showed that Ray Apps, who who said under oath to the J, uh, January 6th committee that he had left the Capitol right after the initial breach, 
they have they have him on tape at like 250 in the afternoon. This is hours later, and he's still there trying to get people to go in. So there's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. And, and Donnie, the best thing is to put all the video out there and let us come to conclusions and let us get to the truth. Let us get to the bottom of this. But people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and uh, Merrick Garland and President Biden and Kareem Jean-Pierre, they don't want that at all. They want to keep the narrative that they that they peddled right one, after this going as as long as possible. And this is a, a direct threat to that. And, and Look, one other thing that I, I really want to mention, okay, is because I don't want to be like, you know, free them all. No charges for anybody because I'll still stand behind all of the things that I said two and a half years ago or whenever this happened that like the people that did break the law should be held accountable. I understand the protest nature of it, but actions do have consequences and you still have to be held accountable. So I'm not going to give everyone a free pass for this. If I was the person that was like in charge of, of the protesters, I would have said, no, don't break the windows and go in. Like, don't do it. Like you're just giving the left like unlimited ammunition to paint you as insurrectionists for the next decade. But Look, um, two, two things can be true at the same time, that the people who uh, assaulted police officers and caused vandalism at the Capitol should face uh, criminal charges for those things. And the QAnon shaman, Jacob Chansley, is completely railroaded and needs to be released from prison right now. I mean, if you, I actually looked up his sentencing document and the judge did not see this 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 information. He was portrayed right. by the by the prosecutor as a violent insurrectionist when it's clear he was given a guided tour of the Senate side of the Capitol by the police department. He even was walked by a bunch of other cops. One of them was just looking at his phone as he calmly walks by. The, the, the prosecutors described him as holding a spear. And we showed <laughs> the picture earlier. And yeah, there's a there's a often on a flagpole. There's a spear at the end. And they, they, they portrayed that as him having violent intent and trying to stab people with it. It's like, it's, 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 it's commonly on top here. of a flagpole. And so th- this this whole thing is a complete farce. And, and, and the fact that he is going to be languishing in prison, they gave him credit for time served, most of, most of which was in solitary confinement, which this government considers torture if done by other other countries for no reason. And there are hundreds of, as Chris said, there are hundreds of people being held still before and without trial. No bail given to them. People, first-time offenders for parading or you know parading around the Capitol. They they broke. They sent SWAT teams to break down the doors of people who uh, they just because their cell phones pinged at the Capitol on that day. This is a complete travesty. They're actually. I, I would like to. I almost don't want to say this, but it'd be nice if there was a, a second round of January six hearings. But this time, examining what really happened and the abuse of our government going after people who were peaceably assembling. Can you even imagine sicking the federal government? on BLM organizers and Antifa organizers and rioters in this country. It's inconceivable just, because just, those people work work for the regime. They don't work against the regime like freedom-loving pe- uh, people do. Justin, um, there's a bit on SNL where there's like a talk show and they have guests on and they never get to the third guest because of all of the stuff yeah, that happens earlier in the show. And I really feel like we're getting towards that when it comes to this topic of this article that you published on Fox. But uh, we'll get to it. I promise. I promise, Justin. I'm, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I'm already too upset. Justin, to I'll give you final topic. words. Clear up. Justin's like our, our like, uh, you know, he did some law school. So he's our like residence lawyer when it comes to this. He has to clear up any misconceptions or misstatements or anything so justin i'll give you final final word on this topic and then i promise we'll go to your uh the main topic. yeah i i would say i i generally i agree with almost everything that's been said here i, I think that the only thing 
That, and I think, I think more so, and Donnie, I mean, you said this, I think this is important that we make it clear that, you know, all crimes should be, you know, not punished to the, to the, the greatest extent possible, but if you commit a crime, you should be held accountable for it. And everybody right. who walked Even through that Capitol building, right. Even if it's in protest, that's part of the protest. You and I exactly. have talked about this many times. That's one of the reasons why protesting matters is because if you're protesting and you have to go to jail for it or face some fine or some consequent, that's part of the sacrifice you're making as a result of doing this. So I don't, I don't think they should have been there. I don't even think Trump should have held the rally that he held because of the situation was too contentious. Um, and they, everyone who went through that building, I think should face some kind of penalty, but do I think they should be treated as insurrectionists? No, definitely not. They should be treated like anyone who's trespassing, uh, would be treated in any other kind of similar situation. Um, and so I, I think that that's really the core of the issue is how this whole thing has been, has been framed. Um, but I will say this to some extent, um, and I know there's a lot of people, you know, don't want to hear this, but to some extent, what did you think was going to happen when you walked into that building? Did you think that, that everybody on the left wouldn't use this to their advantage? Did you think that the media wouldn't run with this and think this is the greatest thing of all time? Did anybody think that, that, you know, this was somehow going to help them? I mean, it was a very, say what you want about what they did and the morality of it just generally, it was a stupid thing to do because every single person who walked through that building or the vast majority of them want something different than what ended up coming from walking through that building. And they were all wrong. And as a result of it, I think you could argue this past election had was largely driven by what happened here. I think that uh, lots of bad press has has occurred because of the Donald Trump's political career. Maybe could be destroyed. Maybe he would have been the he probably would have been the runaway Republican pick had this not happened. And now maybe he's not. We don't know. But I think that that part of it, you know regardless of, of whether they've been treated badly or how the media portrayed it or how the government reacted to it, lots of important issues, but they shouldn't have done it at the very least because it betrayed their own cause. It was a stupid thing to do. And at the very least, I think we should be able to acknowledge that this was bad for conservatism. It just was. Donnie's uh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Chris and Jim didn't jump in <laughs> to have a bone to pick with anything. So <laughs> fantastic, guys. Fantastic. We're, we're you know, we're growing. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our main topic. So, Justin, last week, as I mentioned, we got sidetracked in a discussion about something. We'll just leave it at that. And it left with, with no time to talk about this topic. Uh, so you recently wrote an article. I think at this point it was like six weeks ago or something, but uh, <laughs> published at Fox News and it was titled these 51 big businesses target conservatives. Here's what you can do to stop them. And this article did incredibly. Uh, we know based off some unscientific metrics that this article may have been your most seen article ever, which is saying something considering yeah. that you've published like, I don't know, 500,000 articles or something crazy. Um, so I, I want to talk about that article and its contents from a couple of different angles. But first, refresh in us and tell us what this article is about. Uh, go ahead, Justin. 
Right. So I came across this 1792 exchange. Um, it's a really incredible website. It's produced uh, by a nonprofit organization. Their sole goal is really to point out in a very specific way how companies are um, targeting conservatives, how they're promoting liberal causes, how they're essentially becoming a bastion of wokeism and how ESG is tied into all of this. And what's really great about the website is they looked at a thousand different companies, more than a thousand companies. They evaluated them based on their policies and things that they've done that have actually been reported in the news. So this isn't speculative stuff. This is reported, well-cited information. And then they've, based on what they found, they awarded uh, scores to these companies of lower risk, medium risk, and high risk. That's risk level of them targeting conservatives, promoting liberal causes, et cetera. Um, and based on their analysis, there's 147, I think, high risk companies that fall into this. And they are some of the most iconic, biggest brands in the United States today. Um, companies like Apple, American Airlines, Amazon, Alphabet, that's Google, AT&T, uh, Disney, BlackRock, a bunch of different banks, eBay, CVS, Comcast. There, there's, there's a bunch. You can go onto the website and you can filter it by high risk and you can check it out. Or uh, right now, producer Andy, I think, is scrolling, scrolling through some of these companies on the screen here on YouTube if you're watching it. Um, and, and really, what it, what, the reason I think it's so important is because it provides people with actual details and it gives them the ability to look at these companies and these brands that they that they spend money on. They're giving their money to these companies every day or every week or every month or every year. And these companies are actively working to promote causes that violate many of their customers' own beliefs and ideas. And yet we continue to give them money despite that when there are alternatives. And what's great about this is it shows you that you can actually look into this and make an educated decision. And you can also see the lower risk companies and maybe find an alternative that might work for you. Um, I don't think that any, I think the vast majority of corporations are all moving in the direction of ESG, but they're doing it at different speeds. And I think it's important for people to vote with their dollars and make these decisions. So the, the, uh, the, the article did very, very, very well on Fox, got huge, huge uh, uh, number of views. And uh, the reason for it is because I think people genuinely want to uh, stop giving their money to people that are violating their beliefs, but they just don't know where to find the information. They don't know what to do. And I think this is, this is the best resource I've ever seen that allows people to very quickly and accessibly find this so they don't have to sift through a million Google searches every time they go out to shop to find out what kinds of companies they should be doing business with and which ones they shouldn't. So yeah, it says, uh, I think it's a great resource. 1792 exchanges assessed a thousand plus companies, policies, practices, and other rele relevant criteria to determine the likelihood a company will cancel a contract or client or boycott, divest, or deny services based on views or beliefs. So if you go through, like, you know, Andy, you were scrolling through that, just pick some random one and, uh, like, click on it because you can see the uh, the kind of the metrics that it's broken down into. So it seems like there's two major categories. One is corporate weaponization, and the other is corporate governance and public policy. And then these are broken down into a couple of subcategories that include charitable giving, employment policies, reported incidents of canceling contracts with people, public support for ideological causes, et cetera, et cetera. So Justin, here's an idea. 
let's convince banks and asset management groups and investment outfits and governments to only do businesses with those that receive a green ranking on this scorecard here. And we, it could be sort of a social credit score that can reward or punish a business with access to loans, capital, and investments. I mean, that sounds like a good idea. I don't know where I came up with that idea, but that sounds pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I, I know. It, it does sound pretty good. It, it, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if... If there, if the Trump administration or somebody like that came out and said things like, uh, "We're not going to do business with um, any of these businesses on this list right. anymore," the government's done because these businesses are uh, promoting LGBTQ policies, or they're, uh, you know, they're not nice to conservatives or whatever. Like right. th th that would be. The, the the amount of uh, uh, headlines with the word fascist in it would be like <laughs> impossible to count. And and if you had if you had conservative banks, you know, all getting together saying, you know what, we're not going to loan to you if, if, if we found out that uh, you promote climate alarmism or that uh, you like electric cars or that uh, you use too much water. Or, or you don't use enough or whatever, like th there would be the, the backlash on that would just be insane, like insane. And yet that is exactly what is going on it, it, because we, the right doesn't control the media. You know, we don't get to frame it that way as easily, but this is exactly what's happening. And this website is the first one that I've ever found that makes it easy for people to figure this out very quickly most others do not do this it's, it's really hard to to figure out who the good guys are and who the bad guys are and this actually gives you the information you need to uh, make a, an informed decision so i love this i love this website i'm glad it's getting a lot of press you know what's most scary about this is how ubiquitous it is and how many of those companies i shop at and like rely on whether it's walmart or amazon or at&t for all my cell phone and everything I, it, it makes me wonder if this is almost like inescapable. And I remember back in you know the good old days before the woke mob really took over, and there were companies like Ben and Jerry's, and they had a you know a pretty uh, like liberal uh, agenda. And it was really easy to say, okay, you know they make great ice cream, but I think I'm just not going to buy from them, you know, because they're just going a little too like overboard for me. But you look at this list, and it's impossible. It's like it's everything. It's everywhere. It's it's this. I I I don't think you can participate in society without without having to do some business with some of these companies. And this is just now we're in the medium risk. Remember. Uh, uh, Andy scrolled through the high risk and there's also the lower risk category. I remember even like Denny's and like, like just, it's so ubiquitous. Uh, it's, it, it's really scary. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's almost impossible to participate in life, in society, in commerce of any, of any, if you wanted to use this as your, as your guide. I mean, you know, I, I, I joke often. It's like, you know, one of these days I'm just going to go off the grid, man, you know, and, and learn how to grow my own crops and raise livestock and, you know, like live like a pioneer woman in the yeah. 18th century. Yeah. You know, because if, if you really take this seriously and you really want to not, it's, it's impossible. I mean, I was noticing as he was going through there and we're in the A's right now, but like on the <laughs> higher risk companies, if you can just f filter by higher risk, um, uh, Home Depot was on there. Oh, yeah. uh, Home Depot is was in the past, not too long ago, a target of the left for supporting Republican candidates. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, went to, I went to I went to I went to a when I was covering the George W. Bush. There we go. Risk level high risk. When I was covering the reelection of uh, 
George uh, W. Bush in 2004, we went to a uh, an event at Home Depot because the CEO of Home Depot was a huge donor to Republicans and to his campaign. And now look at they're high risk. So conservatives can't even count on Home Depot. But like, how are you going to fix your house? How are you going to buy clothes? Oh, yeah. you know, how are you going to use any technology uh, and not be supporting companies that go against the values, uh, not just a conservative, but basically all American values of and even financial values like putting, you know, fiduciary duty ahead of a hard leftist agenda. It's uh, it's almost impossible. And and Justin, this is a there's a reason why this story that you or the article you wrote op ed, I suppose, on Fox News has gotten such play. And it's because this is a uh, this is an important thing for people to know. And it's actually quite shocking. It's an and I'm so glad you wrote this. Yeah. So so that I think that's I think both of you make Great points. This is the reason why I'm so interested and so many other people at Heartland are so interested in ESG and why it matters to us to really tackle this issue. It's because it is ubiquitous. It is everywhere and it is moving further and further in that direction. And really until very recently, there was not a whole lot of talk about it other than just the occasional news story that would come out with some woke policy somewhere. And that was kind of it. That's why we need to do something far reaching on that issue to make sure that this sort of systemic, because that's what it is. It's, it's, it's driven by a system. It's a system wide issue. It's not just a coincidence that all these corporations are doing the same things. There's a system behind it. There's money behind it. There are huge players and banks and central banks and, um, and investment management firms and insurance companies and others all driving this from behind the scenes. Um, and, and government is doing the same thing. And so it's a huge, huge problem. And, and I, I, I do think though, that the first step to any really big problem is making people aware that it's a problem and how big of a problem it actually is. And just to show you, and Donnie knows this, cause we've had, we've had experiences like this before. And there was one that happened with this article. Um, you know, there was a company and I won't say which one because I promised I wouldn't, but there was a company on this list that was included in the article, a company that does billions with a B dollars of revenue every year, billions of dollars. So big, big companies, all these companies are big companies. This one was a really big company and they went out of their way to go to Fox news and to beg them and implore them to remove their name from the article to issue a correction because they didn't feel, feel like they were being treated fairly and all this other stuff. And they made an absolutely absurd argument for why they shouldn't be in there. Fox <laughs> to their, to their credit came to me and asked me for more information, took their, their concern seriously, uh, as any good, um, news organization and opinion team should do. I provided them with additional information. Fox did not edit the article because I was right. And this massive multi-billion dollar corporation was wrong. But the point is classic, classic, the point, cla I know classic <laughs> happens every week, but the point, the point is this, they cared enough to do that. It matters to them. They don't want the light shine on them. They don't want that. They, they right. believe it or not, they don't want the bad press. They don't. They want. They don't want people to know that as that they're as woke as they actually are. They don't want that light shined on them. So the more we can do to shine that light, and Donnie and I had another experience like this a, a while back with with uh, a major, major, major bank in the United, one of the top five banks in the United States, uh, begging. 
um, Glenn Beck to stop talking about ESG and stuff like this. And they're rolling uh, it. And they're rolling it after we, you know, told Glenn uh, what was going on with that. Um, and they ended up, um, you know, not reversing what they were doing, obviously, because Glenn knows that it was true and it was. The facts were the facts. But the point is, if a major multi-billion dollar bank and a major multi-billion dollar corporation and the World Economic Forum has done this to us as well and others, just by having an article posted on some website, are are losing it. It shows that these kinds of things do have at least some kind of, and we, we they don't want people to know what's going on, okay? Yeah, They're they in the process of robbing a bank. And the last thing you want to do when you're robbing the bank is have a bunch of people pointing fingers at you saying, whoa, that guy just robbed a bank. It's that guy right there who's running away with the money. They don't want that. They just want to casually walk out the door and walk away and nobody notices or says anything. That's what they want. So we're shining the light on them and it is working, but we need we need more of this kind of thing. It can't just be me. It can't just be Heartland. It's got to be a lot of people all working on this at the same time. Yeah, there's a comment uh, from uh, Doug Troyer here saying, World Economic Forum is pressuring companies. They have their ways. Yes, their ways is ESG. And if ESG, to its full extent and, and you know run its course completely, would basically ensure that every company on this list, every single one of them, would have a high-risk red ranking. That's the goal of ESG. Like, that's it. Yes. So, yeah, they have their ways. It's called ESG. So that's, yep. I just want to clear and that the, up. And the World Economic Forum is, is another one of those groups that have tried to shut down articles that we've written on major publications before. And they went way out of their way to try to do it so, and failed. So uh, another, th uh, when I was looking up stuff about this article, Justin, just kind of also just kind of see how uh, how much traction it got. And man, there is so many links and so many Twitter shares and just so like there's probably 500 pages just on Google of, of different variations of this article and people sharing it and talking about it. But one of them that I found pretty interesting, and I think, Jim, you shared this in our Slack channel, was a Media Matters article that was Fox News op-ed calls to boycott, quote, 51 businesses at war with conservatives, including many that advertise on Fox. So in it, they basically describe your article describe you know what the 1792 exchange ranking list all of that whatever uh go through and, and show all of the art uh businesses the 51 businesses that you specifically mentioned in your article and then they say and here are some companies that have advertised on fox news over the past year according to media matters internal database and show that like some of those are ones that are mentioned in your article and like, I was just thinking, like, is this supposed to be some type of gotcha? Like, wouldn't it be more of a gotcha if like only art, uh, only companies mentioned in your articles were only ones that didn't advertise with Fox News? So I don't understand how this was supposed to be some type of gotcha article. Yeah, but... can't, I, 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 uh, I did not know. I, I've seen the Media Matters uh, headline. I didn't uh, read it at all. So I didn't know that was in it. Uh, but that, that I'm proud of Fox. Good for them. Exactly. Good for like, them. If, any, if anything, that like lends credibility to Fox news and all of that. So Without yeah, I just thought I, it was a ridiculous media matters article. Yeah. These, these, these companies, yeah, like the fault is for on Fox for taking money from people <laughs> who want advertising. I mean, media matters should be going after these companies for daring to, uh, to, to advertise on Fox, but they want to advertise on Fox because it is the by far most watched cable news network in the country, maybe even the world. I mean, I was just, you know, Donnie, you came in my office the other day and I, where I just happened to click on the ratings 
right. and Tucker Carlson on the second day on Tuesday of his uh, expose on the January 6th stuff had 4.1 million viewers. 4.1 million viewers. CNN had like 600,000 against him that night. I mean, so, you know, these companies, if they want to make money, if they want to get their brand out there, if they want, if, you know, and it works, I guess, because I shop in, in, in uh, and, you know, you utilize a lot of these companies that are classified as high risk. You know, you, you go where, where the viewers are. I mean, we've actually, for this podcast, for this video podcast, we've had people say, you should just do rumble. It's like, well, it'd be great to just do rumble since they're free speech. But we also have to do YouTube because you have to go where the people are. And that's why these people are advertising on Fox. Yeah, yeah Danny, I, I, Danny, I've told you in recent you know weeks, I can't tell you the number of times that Fox runs a ESG story in which they bash BlackRock. And then right after that, I see a BlackRock commercial talking about how BlackRock is all about the common man and all about <laughs> it, investing in, uh, you know, in, in, in the heartland. Right. It's just like, give me a break. Like, again, like what should like if it were the opposite, if that Media Matters article was actually pointing out that all of these companies that were listed in there. Oh, but they mysteriously left out the ones that advertise for Fox like that would be a such a bigger, hard hitting story. Like if anything, like I said, this Media Matters article just lends credibility to them. So I don't know what they were thinking by publishing that. It's ridiculous. Justin, final words on this. I want to get to our uh, last topic. Yeah, uh, check out 1792 Exchange and uh, and and support their work. They're doing great stuff over there. Nonprofit organization, so they're not they're not in it to to make money. They're in it to to teach people what's going on. The guy behind it, whose name escapes me at the, at the moment, has worked on Capitol Hill for a long time, and he's been involved in a lot of different uh, ventures. He worked for I think Mark Meadows when he was in when Congress and and some others. So he he's a conservative guy with a with a good track record. Uh, so check out 1792exchange.com. Fantastic. All right. So we got about 10 minutes. Wow. We're pacing this uh, this episode pretty well for the first time ever. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about this. This is a this was a kind of a last minute topic we threw in there. And it's based off of conversation that Justin and I had. You brought it to my attention. But uh, the World Bank uh, is looking for a new president. I don't know how often this happens, Justin. Maybe you know. But um, the Biden administration is in the position where it seems like they can propose and get their candidate of choice in there in the role as the uh, World Bank president. There's a whole complicated system of how they pick their the president of the World Bank. It has to do with, uh, you know, shares and whatever. Justin can bore you to death with that. We're just going to skim over it. But long story short the biden administration is in a position where they can nominate someone that will likely become the successor to the current world bank president so i'm reading from a bbc article and it says u.s president joe biden has named indian american businessman ajay banga as the u.s pick to lead the world bank the move comes as the u.s increases pressure on the bank to put more emphasis on tackling climate change Mr. Banga led credit card giant MasterCard for more than a decade and now works in private equity. U.S. officials said uh, he had the experience to make the bank work with the private sector towards its goals. Also, not mentioned in this article, Ajay Banga is a massive, massive proponent of ESG. If you just look it up, you can find a million quotes of, of him talking about how great ESG is and how it's great for all the stakeholders and basically just reading word for word right from the World Economic Forum's talking points when it comes to ESG. But that's not the most uh, interesting part about this story. 
The most interesting part about this story is that uh, this this particular gentleman is also very, very, very interested in cybersecurity, the threat of cyber warfare, hacking, and all these different types of things, um, which just seems to coincide with a small story that we covered just a couple of months ago where the World Economic Forum released a press release talking about how geopolitical instability raises the threat of catastrophic cyber attacks. Guess when? In the next 12 to 24 months. So, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist. I'll be, I'll start looking for my tinfoil hat. But uh, the fact that that threat of, you know, this could happen in the next... 12 to 24 months just happens to coincide with us putting a new person in charge of the World Bank that is very, very interested in talking about cybersecurity and all of that. Eh, maybe we could just write it off as a coincidence. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. There's uh, There's been quite a few events and discussions and papers and other things predicting a massive cybersecurity disaster, catastrophe type of thing. Um, uh, very similar to how there were war games prior to COVID-19, like Event 201 and other things, where they they war gamed out what would happen if there was a global pandemic, and then within like six months there was a global pandemic, <laughs> and there was <laughs> you know many of the same people are now war gaming a catastrophic uh, a, a cyber attack, and in particular on the financial system, which lends itself to you know. Why do they think this is going to happen? What do they know that we don't know? That doesn't mean that they're, you know, that it's staged or something like that. Maybe they've, maybe there's been a lot of chatter about this in foreign countries or something. Maybe, maybe they just have information that this is coming. Um, but making sure you have the right person in charge of big or bright people in charge of big institutions, if something like that's going to happen, makes a lot of sense. Because what we know from the left is when opportunity strikes, they try to take advantage of it as best they can, right? So big sweeping uh, uh, crises need big solutions. That's what The Great Reset's all about. And Ajay Banga is a huge supporter of The Great Reset. He was actually at The Great Reset launch event. He's a big supporter of it. Stated, um, uh, He stated his support many times for that and for ESG, as Donnie said. Um, he's also said very clearly that he wants to find a way to use the World Bank to promote climate change. Um, alarmism and uh, to promote development goals and to increase sort of the Green New Deal. And if you understand what the World Bank's role is, the World Bank is basically a gigantic development bank. So the purpose of the World Bank is to uh, try to exert its it Western info. This is my interpretation of it, but this is what it is to exert Western influence on developing parts of the world. So you give developing parts of the world money. And in exchange, they hopefully do things that you want them to do. And you usually tie some strings attached to it. And it's a way of sort of exerting Western influence on the other parts of the world. Very kind of similar to what China does with the Belt and Road Initiative, although not as nefarious. Well, if you really want to spread the Green New Deal and you really want to spread the Great Reset and you really want to spread these ESG and all the stuff all over the world, a really good way of doing that is tying strings to money come from the World Bank. So if you're a government and you come to the World Bank and you need money, the World Bank says, yeah, sure, but 
You got to make sure you do this, this, and this. You got to be a climate change warrior and you got to make sure that you're woke and you got to make yeah, sure you got it, ESG in place. That I think is what's going on here. You can't develop oil and gas infrastructure. It's got to be wind exactly. and solar. And, and, it, and it very clearly that was referenced as one of the things that they want to do with the World Bank. This is why so, this guy was picked, I think. Is so they have, they have been doing that. I mean, it's just yes. a continuation of what they're doing. Well, hold on. But real quick, the last guy, remember, not that long ago, he was picked by Trump. And the last guy got David into a Malpass. lot of hot water, David Melpass, because he said there may That's not right. be a climate crisis. So now all of a sudden that guy's out the door and we're bringing in a guy who believes climate change is an existential threat to humankind and we're going to use the world bank to try to stop it i don't think that's a coincidence that that's going on well another, another thing that that's not a coincidence is the fact that uh the government is talking a lot about russia and, and all their cyber attacks on the banking industry Correct. the past couple of weeks and there was a cyber attack on a hospital in which this is really sad a bunch of uh, cancer patients new pictures were leaked that automatically have blamed russia for that I, I and and I haven't heard any evidence yet. You know, they also blame Russia for the attack on the Colonial Pipeline. You know, the the verdict is still out there. They also blame Russia for blowing up their own Nord Stream two pipeline, which we now know probably didn't happen. So I think I take everything they say with a giant grain of salt. And I agree with Justin. This is just you know more uh, wealth redistribution from rich to poor countries. You're just sodium poisoning at this point. You're just a Putin stooge, Chris. That's what you are for even suggesting Obviously. anything like that. No, Obviously. I mean, but the World Bank, they like to they like to get their virtue signaling points. And like, they're, as you said, Justin, their entire purpose is to lift the, I'm going to say it, the third world or developing nations. I, I just saw the other day, third world, you're not allowed to say that anymore. So I thought I'd drop a, drop, a word, drop a term that gets this channel in trouble again. Yeah. But the whole purpose is, is the more to bring syllables the, the better. out of poverty. Right. And, and to bring them into, you know, modern conveniences like, electricity that's on all the time you know heat that can be on or cooling that can be on all the time instead of intermittently in a lot of these developing nations and so uh but they get to virtue signal about that that's the actual purpose of the entire operation yet they will not actually let these countries uh rise up to where we are um they're actually what they're working on is making sure we drop down to their level while the elites are going to enjoy uh life as it goes on the way they like it but you know they should be giving loans to develop reliable power like if you don't like coal, fine. Natural gas. Natural gas burns a lot cleaner than coal, and it's on all the time, and it's great. Or nuclear, that would be great. How about some nuke plants in uh, in Africa? There won't be a penny given to build nuke plants in Africa. Not not anything. They, they want they want they shouldn't get away actually with virtue signaling, while all of their policies do nothing but keep the poor even more poor as the rich get richer. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, after we uncovered all of this different stuff with the World Economic Forum, uh, our, our eyes are glued to these kind of international uh, organizations like the World Bank and all of that. So we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on this story. Uh, surely this guy's a shoe in. I don't know when it's going to become official or whatever. Any changes that he's going to uh, affect right away. Uh, but we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. Anyone want to uh, any, any final words on this or any of the other topics that we talked about before we sign off for the week? Hearing nothing, I will thank everyone for joining us for this episode of the In the Tank podcast. Join us every week for a new episode. Again, like I said, for those audio-only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday or later, you could join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon Central Time, where we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the feed. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And also, you can help us out by just doing a handful of things 
leaving a review for us on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. If you're watching on YouTube, hitting that like button, sharing this content, subscribing if you haven't already, even leaving a comment under the video will help break through those big tech algorithms to prevent content like this from being shown to more people. If you'd like, you can follow us on Twitter at InTheTankPod, or you can send us your comments, suggestions, or questions for the show by emailing us at InTheTankPodcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter, and always visit heartland.org. And Justin, same question. Uh, they can find me on uh, Twitter at Justin T. Haskins, as well as Getter, Parlor, Facebook, all that stuff, all Justin T. Haskins. And uh, heartland.org, check out my profile there and everything that's going on, foxnews.com. And um, also, I just finished recording a uh, awesome podcast episode with Trish Reagan. So if you're interested, check that out. We talk about ESG and a lot of other stuff going on. Um, you can find her stuff at on Rumble and YouTube and, and elsewhere. All right, fantastic. Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? Stopinsocialism.com and as always, harlan.org. All right, fantastic. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.